the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. And as you head on your way home, we bring back, as we do most Mondays, Brandon Weichert, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. He is a uh, senior editor at 1945.com, the author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to control life. He understands foreign policy and national security like few others, especially with his fingers on just the right hot spots. Brandon, welcome back. I hope you're doing okay. Uh, I'm I'm all right. I'm sitting in shock and awe at the events of um, uh, what's going on in Israel. Um, I'm I'm in shock because despite my best efforts to get my book, The Shadow War, front and center, in which I warned people of the coming intifada. Uh, nobody would listen. Um, you know, the, the solutions that I have in the book uh, are still achievable today. They do not require U.S. boots on the ground. They require, all they require is that the Americans get the Israelis and Saudis together, which, by the way, is what this evil, evil Hamas, Iranian-backed Hamas, uh, act in Israel was about. This was a strategic move. Uh, it was purely cold-blooded, uh, designed to break up the budding alliance between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and I fear that this is likely what has happened. I do not believe the Saudis will work with the Israelis now out of fear of some kind of backlash on the Arab street against Saudi government if they do continue their rapprochement with Netanyahu and Israel. This was the goal. This was a 9-11 for Israel. Um, and there is nothing more disgusting than watching the same liberal Democrats in the United States who claim that all Republican and MAGA voters should be basically sent to prison for voting for Donald Trump. Those same people, for the most part, are saying that we should not only just accept, but we should be celebrating the massacre of innocent women and children and the kidnapping of women and children in Israel as part of Hamas's larger strategic move uh, in the region. Uh, it, it, is, it is a truly disgusting and sad thing to see. And um, I just wish that more people would have listened to me a year ago when I was talking about the Third Intifada coming. And by the way, it's not going to end with this Hamas attack. Hezbollah is going to attack from the north. The, that the Israelis need to be paying attention much more to the north than they are. They're focused, understandably, on southern Israel and going into Gaza, where Hamas is. But Hezbollah is going to strike. Mark my words, I've been right every step of the way so far, and no one has listened, except you and your audience. Well, Brandon... In your opening comments here, you could teach a year-long course uh, on this uh, very issue with classes uh, every single day. There's a lot in what you said. Let me let me work out uh, some of this stuff with you a little bit. 
let's start with the Iran part of this. And interesting point you made about some people wanting to put the quietus on what you've been saying about Iran. I noticed a little bit of that on television, too, over the weekend. There almost seems to have been as if there was some kind of Iran lobby here in America. That was <laughs> yeah, there tra- is. Okay. In the White right, House. Talk, talk to White us House. about that. It, there was a weird, it was a weird thing when, yeah. when, when, when Republican candidates for president yeah. primarily were talking about Iran. It was as if, yeah. let's move on. Let's move on. Right. Now, that has opened up a bit because I think the obvious has become clear. But it was weird. Was I the yeah. only one thinking that? No, no. And actually, it was really even not just weird, but gross. In the British press, Channel 4 in particular, which has been a hotbed of anti-Semitic uh, you know, uh, propaganda for years, but Channel 4 uh, in England overtly was out there uh, championing the Palestinian cause. They couldn't go two seconds without reporting on the deaths of these Israeli innocents without bringing up the fears of Palestinians being cut off of, from water and electricity. Well, what, what do they expect? I mean, my goodness, this is a, a, a direct attack against the Israeli people, not the government, the people, by a group of armed, well-trained, Iranian-backed uh, 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 militants and the least the Israelis could do would be to punish Gaza uh, by cutting off the, the, their accoutrements. They're not going to act civilized. They shouldn't be treated civilized. Um, but you're right. There's this entire movement in the West to just sort of eschew the, uh, the Iranian elephant in the room. And let me tell you something. That elephant is stampeding. It's slow and methodical, but it is coming. And Israel needs to brace for the second and third wave coming from Iranian-backed militants in Hezbollah. This is not the end. This is the beginning. And as I warned everybody for the last several years, forget about Russia. Russia's not going to start World War III. It's going to be Iran. And Iran is absolutely doing this. And in Beijing, they are celebrating because this is going to be the final depletion of American attention and power. It will be in the quicksands of the Middle East. That will give the Chinese the time they need to hit Taiwan with relative impunity. That is what's coming next. Watch. You know, um, we'll, we'll pick up on that thread, too, in a moment. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, you had mentioned that you're convinced Hezbollah will act from the north against Israel. The question I have is, why would they not? Uh, it, it's right. it, Yeah, I don't understand why they, why they well, wouldn't. Um, and, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say real quick, uh, you know, this is part of that same logic that we see in Western media where they're trying to downplay Iran. The same types of people are also saying, well, Hezbollah would be, you know, they're not they're not going to do anything because this is what they want. They want Israel fighting in the south, not the north. Well, that's exactly why they would strike, because they want Israel distracted. Hamas has always served as a distraction. In my book, The Shadow War, I outlined there was a conference in 2020 between the leadership of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, the leadership of Hezbollah, the leadership of Hamas, and the leadership of Fatah, in which they gamed out how they were going to break, basically break the back of the Israeli military. And this is the game plan. Hamas in the South was going to start doing things to drive the Israelis crazy and to distract them while the real threat in the North g- gathers and then strikes hard at a time and place 
of the Hezbollah and Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps at the time of their choosing. And the time is coming very soon. 100,000 Israeli troops are going to the south. What's going on in the north? Right. What are they doing in the north? This is the thing. This is the real thing. You know, Israel has this uh, historically very vaunted uh, reputation for a first-class military, and it's based on not only its, I suppose, defenses in 1948, somewhat 56, but really 67 in its ability to repel in 1973, the surprise attack of about 50 years ago almost to the day. But, you know, those were against different kinds of armies in a sense, Brandon. They didn't deal with terrorist entities like this. The terrorist entity they had to deal with was primarily internal, uh, if you will. This is a different thing. Uh, It seems to me Hezbollah and Hamas are different kinds of warriors than general armies of Egypt or the general army of Jordan or whatever the official army of Lebanon and Syria were calling themselves. This is a different kind of warfare that might show – how do I want to put this? Israel has a different struggle on its shoulders. Uh, Yes, this threat is more pervasive. It is uh, more decentralized. It is more widespread. I mean, we literally saw the militants moving in next door. They were fighting in and among the population. I was watching this 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 horrible, uh, this this just tragic, uh, you know, scene uh, on MSNBC of all places. They were interviewing. He's a professor, uh, American professor, American Israeli. And he was in Israel. His daughter was was in Israel, married to an Israeli man. The daughter and the husband were murdered on the phone while the professor was talking to his daughter. Um, And as he said to the MSNBC uh, uh, reporter, he said, unlike in the United States, in World War II, there was the front and then there was the homeland. He said, here in Israel, the front is everywhere. There is no distinction. And this is the threat that Hamas and Hezbollah and even Fatah pose, is that they can get right in next to Israelis and they can do untold amounts of damage. And there is no front line. And they're closing in. And that is stunting the Israeli military's ability to bring that advanced system that they have to fight these enemies. It's, It's stopping them and forcing them to basically fight hand to hand. And at some point, it's going to break the Israeli Yeah, let me pick up on that fighting hand-to-hand as it looks like Israel might have to go into Gaza in that very way. I want to talk to you about that when we come right back. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, his three books. Follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest, senior editor at 1945.com, among other things, author of several books, columnist. Um, Brandon, two-part question, Uh, your answer to the second part, depending on your answer to the first. If this was planned for months on end, A, was it, if it was, B, it tells me that they were prepared for what Israel would be looking like, what it's going to have to be doing, which is going in ground, door-to-door, street-to-street operations. Again, I don't know. It sounds to me, it seems to me like if all of that is true, A, it was planned. They had a lot of time to prepare for that kind of response from Israel. 
it's going to make Fallujah look like Disneyland is my concern. If any of that, if any of those premises are true, I wonder if you might unwind them for me. I think it is true. And I think, I, you know, on the one hand, it, it, it needs they need to respond. I just don't know if this is the best response right. so on Twitter. I've been right. very clear that they need to respond. But I, the more I think about it and the more I talk to people about it and the more that I know about Hezbollah and Hamas, their order of battle and, the, and what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. I wrote a whole book about this. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the more that I think about that, the more I think I don't know if, if invading is going to be the solution. Right. I think I think what they're going to need, <laughs> what they should do is just completely eradicate the area by air. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Israeli Air Force is the best in the region, um, and, and they might want to be thinking about preemptively striking targets in Lebanon to sort of prevent Hezbollah from taking any significant action, because I think if they leave Hezbollah alone, I think Hezbollah will naturally move in to attack the more or the deeper Israeli military goes into Gaza. The point is to tie the Israelis down in the south so that the bigger threat in the north has an easier time getting in uh, to Israel. And, and basically the goal, this is what that psychotic professor of mine at DePaul University used to talk about, Norman Finkelstein. He used to talk about creating a green wave of, of Palestinians who would physically push the Israelis into the sea. Um, and that's what I think the goal here is to do. This is not about you know, territorial swaps and, and, and hostage negotiations to get money. This is, this is a spiritual and existential attack on Israel. This is about completing the genocide that Hitler began. Um, and these are the spiritual and intellectual heirs of Adolf Hitler uh, in Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran. And I'm worried they're going to get what they want because Israel is right now, again, standing alone. And, um, you know, there, there's only so much that they can do just because of sheer logistics and manpower. So the deeper they get into Gaza, the more likely something's going to happen in the West Bank and up in Lebanon, and that's going to break them. And that's sort of a microcosm set, I think, if we can just extrapolate here. That's a microcosm of what China wants to do to America, bog us down in two or three zones so that when they, the big guys open up, America can't do anything. I think the same thing Iran is trying to do, bog Israel down with Hezbollah, Hamas, and maybe Fatah, so that Israel can't do anything to stop the really big strike that's coming from Iran. And I think it's coming soon, and the Russians and the Chinese are backing their play bigly. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Brandon, the people I talked to over the weekend, none of whom have the strategic background that you do, just, you know, uh, people who read the news and watch the news and give a damn about the news and America and her allies and her enemies, <clears throat> to a T, were saying, you know, let's hope, they hoped, Israel would not feel the need to go door to door and was were using language like just flatten the place, just flatten it, pour salt over it and make it a parking yeah. lot or a parking garage. Now, <clears throat> I understand that sentiment to be sure. It begs an interesting question about our culture, our sympathies, our psychologies. Of course, that is in much the way we that is much the way we fought World War Two. And I have worried about this culture tolerating, putting up with, defending the kind of war that needs to be fought to have the kind of victory that needs to be had. And I just don't know. I just don't know if we, if, 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 if the West would put up with that kind of fight. 
They'll, they'll only put up with that kind of fight from uh, Ukrainians. They won't allow Jews to defend themselves. Okay. Um, and that's the bottom line. The, 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 the West is controlled by a group of anti-Semitic jerks who view the Israeli project as fundamentally threatening to them because the Israeli project is the ultimate demonstration that the nation state works, that that is the best organizing unit in the world. And that is, of course, an affront to the globalists who rule the West. And so there's a lot of things going on with the Israeli conflict. One of the things that's always factored in is that the elites in the West will always side against Israel because the longer Israel prospers and is strong, the greater people will begin to realize in the West the globalist enterprise won't work. We need to look at Israel as the model, not the U.N., and that's a threat to the elites. That's such a fascinating point. I wonder if you would agree with an adjunct to it that the Israeli project is also a demonstration that political Islam and Arab nationalism don't work. This is Absolutely. what engenders so much of the hatred from not only uh, Palestinian Authority, Fatah types, but also um, their supporters in America like Rashida Tlaib and the like. They and cannot stand on the MSNBC. fact. Yes, yes, exactly, and 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 it's and it's echo chambers throughout the media. There is something inherently disturbing. I guess it's a it's a macrocosm. That's what it would be to invent a phrase, to coin a phrase. It's a macrocosm of what you see between various ethnic fights here in America and certain intra cultural fights. Say between you know, uh, let's say let's let's just. To put it no differently, let's just say resentments towards Asian Americans, if you will. Absolutely. I okay. think that's 100 percent correct. Yes. Yes. I mean, the, the left replicates its strategies all the time in multiple battlefronts, and this is one of them. Um, but, the, you know, the Israelis, the best thing we could do for Israel would be to stop giving money to Iran. You know, uh, something like I think it was 75 million dollars was apparently unfrozen uh, and given to, um, I think it was Hamas, uh, 48 hours ago, on top of the $6 billion that we gave to Iran. And nobody can see the, the connection here. You give money to terrorist organizations and countries that support terrorist organizations, and suddenly terrorism proliferates everywhere. I mean, what, what, what is the Biden administration thinking? I swear they're working for our enemies, Seth. I know that sounds crazy, and I don't want to sound like Nancy Pelosi about Trump, where, you know, that she was claiming that he was a Russian spy. But you look at everything Biden has done over the last three years. My goodness, how can you not conclude that this man and his administration are, are shilling for American enemies. Let me pick up on that on the other side of the break, because, you know, there's an interesting give and take between what Tony Anthony Blinken was saying over the weekend, what John Kirby is admitting today, what Blinken then said to clean up the mess he created on aisle four, and then the total and complete absence of anything from the president of the United States or the vice president of the United States. Um, as the Beatles would say, very strange. We'll be right back with more from Brandon Weikert. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is my guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, author of several important books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Brandon, I was uh, watching a, a couple analysts uh, early this morning 
say how curious it was that um, the president really hasn't been seen since Saturday. And especially now that you have a death toll of Americans, at the time it was nine Americans, the number as, as, as of right now when we're speaking is 11, it'll likely be more. But she said, one of, these, one of these expert analysts says she can't think of a time in American history where an American president wasn't saying something to the American people or to the world about American loss of life, much less this kind of massive loss of life amongst our allies. I'm, I was trying to think of something that might even be close to comparable, and maybe seven eleven oh five in England, I think 52 Brit- Brits were killed. My gosh, everyone was saying something, and Bush was everywhere at the time. Uh, this is a 1,000 Israelis uh, and plenty of Americans, including, no doubt, hostages. The White House is just dark. It's just it's, – it's odd as hell. Is it because Biden doesn't know what to say, his advisors don't know what to say, or that he just physically can't say anything? I, it's odd as hell to me, Brandon. With this administration, Seth. Biden apparently called a lid on all press appearances at noon today. That's three hours earlier than what it normally is for this guy. Yeah. Normally, this guy calls it a lid, calls a lid on at 3 p.m. The New York Post a year ago called him the first part-time president. He only works 30 hours a week, according to his official schedule. So this guy can't handle it. He's not up to it. Look, you know, I'm a DeSantis guy, but I was a Trump guy for many years, and I'm still sympathetic to him at certain points. The one thing Trump did consistently well was we had relative peace in the Mideast under him for the first time in decades. And all that went away the moment Sleepy Joe took over. And so, uh, you know, I miss being tweets uh, because we got peace in the Middle East for a long time under Trump. The Trump policies worked brilliantly. Biden spent the last three years reversing those policies and reverting to the way things were before Trump. And it shows um, Biden is too old to run things. He's probably asleep right now. He's left the, the, you know, the management of this crisis to Anthony Blinken and to Jake Sullivan, the boy wonders. They're in over their heads. They don't know anything about the Middle East. Uh, they're overrated and nowhere near as smart as they think they are. And also, they're preternaturally incapable of doing what must be done, siding with Israel explicitly, not just in word, but deed as well. Because let's face it, they're coming from a party and an ideological standpoint that hates Israel, that wants Israel to fail, that wants to hem in Israel and empower the very forces seeking the extermination of the Israeli people. And so, uh, you know, this is par for the course, President Biden not being there. And as for hostages, I got to say those nine or 11 American hostages taken by Hamas, those are rookie numbers. Remember, the last uh, hostage crisis happened in Afghanistan, is ongoing, Seth. Your audience may not know this. The, the Afghan Taliban's walked away with what some say is as many as 700 to 1,000 U.S. citizens. I'm not talking about Afghan allies. Americans are still held by the Taliban, upwards of 700 of them, in Afghanistan. Right now, they were kidnapped during the withdrawal that Biden orchestrated in 2021, they have been held ever since. And Biden won't lift a finger to help them. So I'm really fearful for those 11 Americans that have been taken hostage by Hamas. Because if Biden won't do anything to help 700 Americans, he's not going to help anything to do anything to help 11 Americans. 
The uh, hostages that are Americans, and whatever the number is, it's no doubt whatever we're saying it is, it'll no doubt be different uh, by tomorrow uh, or the next day. Yeah, probably, uh, most likely probably higher. Does it complicate the ability for Israel to react the way it wants to react? That is to say, who knows where these hostages are held, but no doubt they'll be held in the most shall we yeah. say, uh, how do I put this? You know what I'm trying to say here. They're going yeah. to be held in places that will make it. Shield. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, let, well, let me actually I, pick up on that on the other side yeah. of bread. This short Absolutely. segment, we have a longer one Absolutely. coming up. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Read his work at 1945.com. The website is really called 1945.com. I just like to kind of spell it out for you. It's the number one, the number nine, and then 45.com. His book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's China's Race to Control Life. Brandon and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weichert is my guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon, X, Twix, whatever you want to call it. Brandon, um, one of the lies, we live amongst a lot of lies. We live, we live in a lot of lies. One of the lies is we and... Our allies, like Israel, don't negotiate with terrorists. The truth is we do. It's a lie that we don't. And Israel, in particular, you know, has a math problem because it has in the past released, oh, say, a thousand terrorists for one, one hostage. And America has itself, you know, paid money only as recently as a month ago, uh, billions of dollars for hostages, which creates a market I believe, for taking more hostages. And it's a math problem that cannot any longer go on. It, it, this, this kind of math just cannot be acceptable anymore. But by the taking of hostages, when you're fighting organizations like Hamas, for that matter, Hezbollah, they, their tactics are to put their military apparatuses around civilian centers, hospitals, schools, uh, housing neighborhoods to maximize the public relations right. uh, benefits to them and against a place like Israel or the United States should it ever have to destroy those armaments. Right. Most likely they will put hostages in those places too. Does it put an added burden on Israel and America right now in how they're going to have to fight back. I, I believe it's going to put their hand behind their backs and make us say things that we are loath to say. But I just wonder if we're in a new world right now and the time for those kinds of considerations need to be need to be put in the rearview mirror. Uh, I agree. Um, unfortunately, I think that um, the hostages, basically, they were taken because, not because the uh, Hamas wants to trade them, but because this was just uh, an orgy of violence, yeah. and they now want to humiliate the West. This is not about trading them right. for any real reason. So I think Israel should behave as though the hostages are already dead, yeah. and they should just level the place. Because if if we allow this behavior to continue without any kind of reprisal from us, it will encourage even greater attacks. Um, I was on a call this morning with some folks in Washington who were saying that the the news media on Saturday 
was generally horrified. You could sense a, a beginning of that change to take place Sunday. Today you can see it change a little bit more yet. Uh, the use of language about who Hamas is is beginning to take hold. They're no longer terrorists. They're no longer, as some would like right. to call them, Nazis. They're fighters. Um, they will... They. The media in about three days is going to turn on Israel completely, is my guess. Well, as I said, uh, the British media already has. And the British the media already has. Okay. And so wherever the Brit, the Brits are always the canary in the coal mine, as uh, Margaret Thatcher said, uh, philosophically, but I would also argue media-wise. And so we're about 72 hours behind them. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's already happening, yeah. Seth. And, um, you know, it's going to get really bad for Israel because they're going to find themselves isolated because basically what the West wants, the elites, is for Israel to do nothing, right. basically. Right. And I got in trouble, and I'm probably going to get banned, and I'm certainly not allowed on TV anymore. But I was saying that if, if, if they can't secure an alliance with Saudi Arabia, then Netanyahu is going to have no choice but to basically depopulate Gaza because the, the, the Hamas is going to keep doing this every so often. And it's going to get worse. So what I would argue, if he can't get a deal with Saudi Arabia to help protect Israeli interests in the region, then he's got to secure his, his immediate vicinity and he's got to prevent more attacks like this. And he should probably look at not just flattening Gaza from the air, but forcibly expelling 80% of the population and sending them to Arab countries. It's very telling none of the Arab countries that supposedly weep for the Palestinians will have any of them come to their territory en masse. They make the Israelis keep them and where the Israelis are always going to be under threat. So a better solution would be to do what the Allies did to the Prussians at the end of the war, Second World War. 15 million Prussians were forcibly relocated into Europe at the end of the Second World War, and that territory was handed over to the Poles. And so something similar will need to be happening if we, if we want true peace. You've got to move the Arabs out of the Israeli areas and allow for Israel to have that land. It's the only way you can have peace. Nobody wants to do it. And so we're going to be having this conversation until there is no more Israel, which is what the Western elites want. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about World War II and post-World War II ethics in a postmodern age. You're talking, um, you're talking aerial bombs. You're talking transfers of population. Uh, you're talking back at the beginning of this interview, like, you know, there are only certain ways to fight a war to victory to obtain the kind of victory that you need. And I just don't know. I just don't know that the modern world will allow it. Uh, well, and, and that I'm may mean its own thing. Who cares? Might be might be one response. Yeah. Well, I agree. But the fact that I'm, but without I'm being the, censored yeah, and I'm being I'm being isolated and and it's people on our own side. It's right wingers who are calling me an ethnic cleanser and yeah. whatnot yeah. when I say this. And so you know, of course, the Pat Buchanan wing is silent right now yeah. uh, because. <laughs> Boy, do they have egg on their face. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I, it's, it, I'm the kind of the canary in the coal mine in that way because our own side is turning on me. I can't gain any traction with them because, let's face it, nobody wants to do what must be done because we live in this postmodern yeah. era. Yeah. And, by the way, postmoderns, as Victor Davis Hansen showed in his book, The Savior Generals, postmoderns always lose to savages. 
The barbarians always beat the postmoderns, and the barbarians are going to beat us if we're not careful. And we are in World War III right now. It's, there's no end to this anytime soon. You just have to be brutal. Brandon, in a minute we have left, do you have, you have mentioned the Saudi Arabia option a few times, they are probably the country that matters, well, maybe most after Iran, but we know where Iran is. We don't quite know where Saudi is. We got a sense of it. They weren't as strong as one would have hoped, but is there still hope that they may show up and prevent some of this? The problem with the Saudis is MBS wants very badly to do this deal, but for the same reason that for 30 years al-Qaeda was financially supported by the government there, the government of Saudi Arabia is afraid of its own people. And so it knows that if it goes too hot and heavy yeah. in support of Israel now, that the, the people of Saudi Arabia will likely revolt, and they might actually overthrow the government and hand Saudi Arabia over to the Islamists. And so they've got to walk a tightrope now as well which is why I think Netanyahu should call MBS and have a real heart-to-heart with him privately and say, look, if I can't get a security guarantee from you, I am going to depopulate Gaza regardless of the ramifications for you. But if you can give me guarantees that you will join us in a security alliance against Iran, I can have a softer pedal with, the, with Gaza. But if not, Netanyahu needs to go cojones to the wall and depopulate and aerial bombard the whole region. Well, normal people uh, who think normally about the world understand that the Middle East is not the Middle West, Brandon. And I, I heard so much of this over the weekend, and it's the naturally right sentiment. We'll have to see, and I'm going to ask that you stay close as I thank you oh, for I everything. I will be. Let thank me know. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. <laughs> wow. I haven't heard those lyrics in a long time. Welcome back. Portions of the show brought to you by Y Refi, great local company uh, here headquartered at uh, Scottsdale Road in the 101. They invite you to stop by anytime. What they have is a fantastic investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the federal Reserve. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and there's no penalty if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, which is a due diligence approved firm, and where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. I was talking with Brandon after we left just over the commercial break, and he said to me, uh, the phrase new normal is probably overused, but uh, normal itself after this weekend is likely over as well. Normal is over. And it just seems to me when we're dealing with an absence a vacancy, an emptiness of leadership from the United States, as I've said many times before and often recently, uh, whereas nature abhors a a vacuum, uh, as Spinoza put it, uh, terrorists and the forces of decomposition love them. They love to fill them. It can be our side or it can be their side in this world, 
And if one can't see the difference between what happened 6.30 a.m. Saturday Israeli time and what countries of the normal, countries of composition, countries of decency uh, stand for, if one can't see those distinctions, if one thinks they have to blur the lines between those distinctions, if one thinks the talk should be about disproportionate responses or proportional responses or uh, the complexities of the situation, you are dealing with moral ignoramuses. But I fear moral ignoramuses may have a lot of the upper hand right now in this time where normalcy is over, where common sense is no longer in the mainstream. Please let me be wrong about this. I hope I am wrong about this. And I hope what we saw over the weekend is nothing any part of the world, civilized or not, ever has to see again. I fear that that is a hope that is too far off to be realized in the distance, as it will be someday. I hope I'm wrong about that and that we will never have to see it again anytime soon. My guess is Brandon's right. Normal is over, and we have a lot of bracing to do and a lot of relearning to do. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with me. Sorry it wasn't a very upbeat day. Some days are like that. Mama told us there'd be days like these. Mr. Bill, David Dahl, thank you. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I am Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.